we're good. I'm going to slide. Oh, I guess I shouldn't slide. No, he's, you, I, mean, I got two camera. different audiences here today. I'm, I want to welcome those who are joining us on YouTube Live and, and welcome all of those who are out here. Uh, when we were making plans for this service, uh, it was nice and cloudy, and, and we just didn't realize the shade factor. So for those who are sitting in the sun, thank you. There is a special blessing, and uh, I'm sure for that, for those who have taken the good seats in the shade and then the car, welcome all of you. Our lesson this morning is going to be found in 2 Corinthians. We're going to find 2 Corinthians. You'll join me there in the first chapter, the first 11 verses. Uh, it's, it's been a while since we were able to gather together. March 15th was the day. March 15th was not even, we didn't even meet that day. That was, that was the day the world kind of stopped. And uh, getting ready for this service, I, I wondered if, if I, uh, I, I would know how to preach to a, to a live audience. Because the camera, I've made jokes before in sermons, I, I can just stop it when I say something wrong. And, and it's wonderful, but it's also very much stress-inducing. So I have, I have 30 hours of outtakes of, of where I, I get mad and I yell, where the dog starts barking, where, where the camera... I, I did it a whole service one time without the mic turned on. And it was the best sermon I have ever preached in my entire life. And, and never, thank you. Yeah, uh, we do probably need a way to, for the people in the cars to interact. If you just want to honk at some point, like an amen, no, 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 don't, don't. Thank you, Eli. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter, all of that is to say, thank you for being here. I, I appreciate it very much. We're, we're going to be doing this throughout the summer, and, and there's some kinks to work out, obviously, uh, with, with uh, locations and, and where to, to kind of be set up here and, and uh we're going to work on that to uh, eliminate some of the oppressive heat. It's not actually that bad today. I shouldn't, you know, it's 78, almost 80. So when it's 90, it'll be, it'll be bad. Second Corinthians chapter one, hear now the word of the Lord. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother to the church of God that is in Corinth and all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia. Paul is picking up here in 2 Corinthians right where he left off in 1 Corinthians, dealing with a, a congregation that is in trouble, trying to, to help them in their theological imaginations, trying to push them in their moral conviction, trying to, to help them live out their faith. And he writes a, a letter, but it's not just to the church in Corinth, it is to all of those in the area of Achaia. Uh, Paul begins his letter with the very traditional Christian greeting, grace to you in verse 2 and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is how Christians used to say hello. It's a little bit more wordy. But it begins with a blessing. It is to start a conversation. It is to start a letter by invoking the blessing of Christ, the grace to be upon the audience, to be upon the hearers. The letter starts in earnest in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fathers of all mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are afflicted with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshakable. 
For we know that as you share in our sufferings, we also, you also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, of the affliction that we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us ready, rely not on ourselves, but on the God who raised the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessings granted us through the prayers of men. Let us pray. And now, O oh Lord, send forth your word, the very same Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power and inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may hear this day, that we might be changed. Amen. I like the NIV in verses four and five, the one who comforts our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort that we ourselves are comforted for we share abundantly, overflowingly in Christ's sufferings so that Christ may share abundantly in our comfort. You know, we do strange things in church other than watch the, the, the paper blow around. Thank you, Asia. I appreciate that. Well, we do strange things in church. We, we talk about that from time to time. We sit together in the heat. We, we, uh, we sing together. We sit in rows. We care about other people. Strange things. And one of the strange things is what we're talking about this morning. For what Paul says here is a complete reimagining of the way we understand the world. Specifically, how we understand hard times. Anybody have any hard times recently? <laughs> how has the last three months been in your life? Has it been full of joy and happiness, or has there been some discomfort you have faced? Maybe in the last few weeks you have, you have grown tired and weary of, of social distancing and keeping apart. Maybe you are frustrated at the lack of toilet paper. Maybe it's been in the last few days. Anybody want to say amen? Amen. Amen. I know. I know that, that you have experienced discomfort because I have been the cause of some of that discomfort. And my children need to keep their mouths shut. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, they, that was waking them up. Yeah. Come on, Christians. We as a community of truthful speech. So, so let's be honest with, we, with each other. Anyone out there in the last few days experience anxiety, annoyance, depression, worry, frustration, uncertainty? Have you been experiencing what they call those negative emotions? We, uh, we use words to, to shade and nuance them, but, but at their heart, we experience these things like fear and anger and hurt and sadness. My, my therapist keeps insisting to me that 80% of you need serious mental health interventions. Not, not you in particular, mind you. I mean, he's speaking of the church in general. And, and I get that. I, I often say that normal, high-functioning, well-adjusted people aren't here. They, they don't need church. 
Jesus said it a little bit better. He said the sick are the ones who need the doctor. And since we who gather under the name of Christ are all broken and dysfunctional, we don't really have a good handle on the way to deal with these negative emotions. We don't know what to do with the grief and the loneliness, the isolation, the anger, the anxiety. We don't know what to do with the traumas of our past that haunt us in the present. We don't know what to do with, with all that junk that we carry around. And so sometimes it comes out in some very unhealthy ways. A young father that I know very well was uh, having a bad day a few years ago. This was, what was it, 10 years ago maybe now? Well, hold on, I, I need to do some math. Yeah, probably yeah, 10 years ago now. Uh, two young children were, were at home. Uh, we had, they, they, they had, they had baby-proofed their, uh, their kitchen because a particular child of their house would, would get into everything and open up the flour and dump it on the floor. And so they had to, they had to, to child-proof everything in the kitchen. And there was this moment in their life that, that it was a particularly stressful week and things weren't going well. And that young father snapped and, and got angry and began to open the cabinets with such force that he broke all of the child safety locks off just in a rapid succession. It was a little tipper tantrum. That's, that's what some people do. I know not you. You all have developed coping skills and then you are mature and, and you have moved past that kind of temper tantrum. Your, your traumas are probably aren't traumas at all. They're probably constructive endeavors that you use to build and make the world a better place. Not all of us. For some of us, the discomforts of the past life, of our past, have an added component and that we bear the, the wounds of, of hurting bodies, crippled by disease, wounded in surgery, hurting backs and arthritic joints. Some of us, some of you, carry that chronic pain with you wherever you go, an ever-present companion. For some of us, for some of you, the traumas of the past, I mean, the, the discomfort, the affliction that you carry is a trauma from your past. Even now, you may be seeing a person that hurt you. Even at this moment, there may be a present, a ghost in your life that haunts you. Even now, there may be a situation that comes to mind that just grips and controls you. Paul says that no matter the cause of your affliction, be it body, mind, or spirit, that in the midst of that affliction, God brings you comfort, consolation, parakleo is the Greek, to call someone to yourself is what it means. And I get the image of a child, a child that is upset and hurting, a child that is in the midst of, of some kind of hurt feelings and and what does a parent do? They wrap their arms around them. They call them close. And in that embrace, the warmth and love is expressed. Safety. It is the same word, parakleo, that, that Jesus will use. He'll, he'll use it a different form to talk about the sending of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, verse 6, 16, excuse me, Jesus says, And I will pray in the Father, and he will send another comforter, an advocate. We, we sing songs about the comforting that comes from God. 
Oh, spread the tidings round. Wherever man is found, the Comforter has come. In the New Testament, this idea, this concept of comfort is tied up tightly with the language of salvation. For in Christ, we find our ultimate redemption. Our comfort comes from what Christ has done. The source of our comfort, the source of our consolation is none other than the suffering of Christ. For Jesus, by loving us all the way to death, opened wide his arms upon the cross and has entered into the very place of our affliction, entered into the very place of our suffering so that he can embrace us. And so that in the midst of our pain and trauma of life, he is there. And so, my friends, we who gather in the name of Christ, we find that all that we bring with us, all that emotional weight, all that physical burden, all that history of hurt, finds its presence and consolation in Christ. Our brokenness is already present in the broken body of Christ. Be comforted, your trouble. That, that weight that you are feeling in this time, that anguish that you are going through, that memory that haunts you, Christ understands it. Christ experienced it first. Christ is working by his spirit in your life right now. Not so that you can get over it. Not that you can somehow move past it. That, that's, that's one of the lies that, that we like to tell ourselves, that that whatever it is that, that is causing us discomfort, whatever it is that weighs on us in affliction, we just need to, to move on with our life. That's not how it works. You don't just get on with it. The trauma and the wounds, they last, and the healing leaves scars, memories etched in flesh. At least the wounds they did for Christ. For in Jesus, the wounds of God are carried, the scars of crucifixion, Stay with him on the other side of resurrection. As we sing, as scripture tells us, there is healing in those wounds. That there is solidarity in those scars. Solidarity means to stand with, to be alongside. Christ was wounded for our transgressions. He didn't just take a beating for us and bear our sufferings. He spoke healing into the midst of that. And so at the name of Jesus, the blind are given back their sight. At the name of Jesus, the lame start leaping. At the name of Jesus, the sick become well and the lost are found and the dead are raised. And at the name of Jesus, new creation happens. The old has passed away and all things are being made new. But the scars remain. The healing comes, but those histories etched in flesh last. Because those scars tell a different story. Verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all consolation, who comforts us in all our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in affliction. Christ is working in your life 
bringing healing at the name of Jesus so that you may be a comfort to others. God is working to console and, and bring out that warm safety feeling so that you may share that with others. Josh, Josh Garls, uh, uh, Gar, Garrels, Gar, I can't say his name. He's a singer. He's got a song. It go, it's called, uh, it goes like this. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are his eyes in which he sees. Yours are the feet in which he walks. Yours are the hands in which he blesses all the earth. I wouldn't push that too far. I mean, clearly Christ still has hands. He came back from resurrection with hands and feet and eyes. He, he just ascended into heaven, leaving us as Christ's image bearers on earth, which is a pretty powerful concept. We are the body of Christ and our wounds, our scars, can be redeemed by God's comforting Holy Spirit so that we can comfort others. Paul is pretty open in sharing his sufferings. He goes into details about in other places, but, but here we get the heart in verse 8. Paul says, we were so utterly, unbearably beyond our strength crushed that we despaired of life itself. That's, that's a pretty low place to despair of life itself. I know some of you have experienced that, have been in those places of lowliness. But in the depth of despair, even unto death, Paul relies on the God who raises the dead. That is the source of his strength. That is his place of healing. That is his comfort in midst of the storm. That is his consolation, which allows him to console others. We, we do some weird things in church. Out in the world, we're told to put your best foot forward. Find out what you're good at. Lean into your strengths. Go with your aptitude. But here in, in this strange kingdom of Christ, we say, show us your scars. Be vulnerable in those places of hurt. For it is in those places of pain and trauma that can be redeemed and healed by God, that can be used for comfort so that we can be a comfort to others. My friends, the world is a hurting place at all times, but now it seems to be in an acute situation. People are crying out in the streets and there is an ever present temptation to respond to that cry with fear, with indifference. But Christ has called us to something else. Christ has come to heal you to bring redemption to you so that you may console others. We have been comforted so that we may be comforters. Let us pray. And now, Lord Christ, you who are the faithful one, you who were faithful all the way to death, and in your resurrection has brought redemption from sin and from death and from suffering. 
We pray, O Lord, that even as we endure, even as we, as Paul said, patiently wait for that full redemption, even as we carry the scars and trauma, the pain and despair that so easily weighs us down, may we, O God, cling. May we, O God, claim. May we, O God, lean into those places of hurt not only to experience your healing and redemption, but to be agents of that healing, to be sharers of that comfort, to be your image bearers on earth. And now, O oh Lord, as we worship you, may you speak comfort into our lives that we may hear and that we may respond. 